you're hungry, because you're listening to Everybody Eats. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Everybody Eats podcast. It's your host, Bensky Belazare. We got our co-host, Ian here, and we are joined with a really special guest, Miss Madeline Flores. Thank you very much for joining us from the great state of Texas. Thank you very much. Yes, representing all my Texans today. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So for those who are checking us out, make sure you're listening and tuning in on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and watch all the episodes on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel as Everybody Eats. Make sure you're subscribing. We have all our videos on there and make sure we're on Instagram a lot. That's where all our snippets go. So make sure you're following us at everybodyeats.pod on Instagram. All right. So from there, we'll get the episode started. Miss Madeline, if you could introduce yourself, where are you from, what do you do? Oh, and real quick before I start, I like telling people like pretty much like how I meet the guests. So for those, um, I met Madeline back uh, probably around this time last year, almost about a year ago at the 2019 Alpha Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, I speak about I speak a lot about NABA. Edom and I, Alan, we had our guest. Uh, he was one of our guests. We were involved in NABA a lot, National Association of Black Accountants. Alpha is another um, business organization, national business organization, um, and we were blessed to be a part of it and be able to go with our school. Um, so I met Madeline last year. Um, at that point, I was just networking with people, ran into you, uh, we stayed connected. And I reached out. I was like, hey, let's get you on the podcast because I know you do some great work and I know um, you'll, you'll speak to our audience. So that's how we met. So if you could briefly speak about yourself, your background, what do you do, and we'll get it rolling. Yeah, and of course. Um, so, you know, being from Texas, I've definitely stayed here my entire life. So grew up in San Antonio, um, moved up to Austin for school where I went to UT. Um, studied marketing and finance over there and then graduated and joined Accenture um, up in Dallas and so very much just Texas through and through great state the plug-in for them there Um, and you know I think that you know plugging into Alpha I think this is probably the better way of describing myself and, and how I got so involved in an inclusion diversity kind of corporate way is when I went to high school, like when I went to middle school, actually, I was the darkest person um, in that middle school, right? And I I didn't really notice it, but that was my reality. And then when I went to high school, I ended up being the lightest person um, in pretty much like my entire high school. And so when I went to college, that was the first time that I saw people that looked like me. And I think that having those experiences really shaped who I am, right? And it helps me understand and like what's important, what my pillars are. And so that's where Alpha comes in, right? Is this, it stands for the Association of Latino Professionals for America, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and it was my way of feeling, you know, like I belonged because I was never on, you know, any right way. I was just completely the outlier. Um, but it also let me bring in all the different perspectives that I had, right? So in my middle school, it was Um, a private school that my mom taught at. So we had a free tuition there, Um, but all the parents were like CEOs and executives. And so that's what I was used to. When I went to college, a lot of the parents were custodians and hourly workers. Um, So having that different type of exposure helped me understand, and this is where it helps me with consulting and why I think I chose consulting is having a better, you know, empathetic view um, and understanding different perspectives and engaging and celebrating them 
rather than having preference to one or another because of a certain set of experiences. Um, and so all that to say, maybe it's a bit of a mouthful to, to give who I am. That's really, it's all kind of connected and, and how I've ended up in my professional career of being in consulting of being able to like actively listen and engage with my clients no matter their background. Um, but also why I'm so active in a professional development community to make sure that people that look like me um, are able to succeed, feel supported, and feels like there's representation because we still have a long way to go. Um, but something that Alpha stands for, and I'm sure you guys do as well, is you you lift as you climb, right? So if you make it past stage three, you're turning around and seeing who's in stage two and bringing three of them with you, right? And then you you just can you continue that process. Um, and I think that's something that Alpha encompasses, and I know that NABA does as well, because um, we also had NABA at UT Austin. Um, and it's those organizations and people that you surround yourself by, and generally, that's what they're motivated by as well. And so as I'm in my teams, I always want to make sure everybody is, you know, supported, and, and there's that structure there. But that's really um, kind of me in a nutshell, if that's helpful. Um, but I want to make sure it's relevant to what we're going to talk about as far as you know, my experiences helping me in the professional realm. Definitely, definitely. I think that's a great explanation. And um, again, like a little later in the episode, we'll go a little bit more in depth in the involvement in Alpha. But I think um, that produces a great framework of what Alpha stands for, what NABA stands for. I speak about all the time and like the importance of giving back and all those things that um, we'll, we'll speak about a little bit later. So um, in terms of consulting, right, I know for me, I wasn't an accounting student, right? Edom, Edom was an accounting student. We had Alan, but I, most of the people in NABA, they were accounting students. I was economics. So I was like, okay, one, I've never taken an accounting class actually. Um, and from what I heard of accounting, I was like, I don't like it, right? So <laughs> to me, I was like, all right, let me maybe get into consulting, right? Um, to me, I thought it probably like fit my interests a little better. I hear like, oh, consulting, they make a lot of money. They travel a lot. They, they, they meet a bunch of different clients. Right. So that's that's what I heard from consulting. I guess those are the stereotypes. So as a consultant yourself, what would you how would you describe what is consulting, the different types of consulting? And like, what, if you could like explain that. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to give my answer, but I'm also going to say that I feel like nobody can give the best answer for anybody to understand, because in reality, my parents still have no idea. They know I have a job. They don't understand how I can be working with different people all the time. And whenever I'm between projects, they always you know texts are calling they're just like so were you fired do you do you still have a job like, <laughs> what's going on there so it's it's definitely an, an interesting industry um i think a really easy way maybe it's too simplistic ways um you're solving problems essentially right and another way of looking at it as well is it's a unique situation because you'll go into let's let's use like a firm like um target for example Everybody there like has been ingrained in Target, understands CPG, um, they're subject matter experts, right? But yet they cannot solve a certain issue within. And so when you can bring an external point of view to the, you know, to the table, they'll ask different questions, right? So we ask different questions, we try and look at it from a different lens because we work with other CPGs, we can understand, well, what's the industry norm here? Um, that helps then frame the right questions to get new insights. A lot of active listening has to happen there. And so again, this is where like my experiences help out. And so you really have to understand, they may be saying one thing, but then you have to deep dive and understand, well, what does that actually mean? What insights can we pull from that? Um, and then after you get this, 
data gathering is probably the first step, then you have to then sift through it all and understand, well, what does this mean and how can we make um, impactful change for them and something that they haven't already tried to introduce and then set them up for success as far as how to implement it. And Accenture is unique in the sense that we not only do strategy consulting, which is more the big picture. So, you know, you want to market to this new demographic, let's help you put a strategy for that. So here are some big picture ideas of how to do that, but then that's it. Then you have management consulting that then helps, you know, that's the strategy for all of McDonald's, for example. But then you have different regions that have um, specific asks for the demographics in those regions. You work with that level, right? So I'm specifically in the South region. My customers are asking for X, Y, Z. Management consulting will then sell, like, solve those problems and do a bit more hand, like, hand-in-hand um, -hand implementation with them. Then we're unique in the sense that we have strategy management and then finally technology. A lot of our solutions and a lot of consulting solutions are around technology, right? Artificial intelligence, robotics process automation, all that good stuff. Our implementation, our technology side then comes in to help not only create that roadmap or take the roadmap that strategy took uh, that brought to the table, but then figure out, okay, these are the necessary steps. This is the software that will help you, you know, um, free up your workforce to then focus on these key aspects or these key activities. Um, and so, the different kinds, strategy, management, technology, and technology can also have a wide range as far as switching from one platform to another. Um, but again, it does go back to actively listening for what the actual problem is. It's very similar to when we go a doctor, we're like, oh, my head hurts, I WebMD'd it, I have kidney failure. Like, no, no, <laughs> let's go back. Let's, let's do some, some exams here and figure out, you know, what is the actual, you know, root cause? What is the issue there? Um, and then once that's found through the data gathering, what can we do moving forward to help make sure that it doesn't happen again and it's a sustainable solution so that you have a short term, kind of like this is what we're going to do, and then a long term to make sure that you're set up for success. Um, so long answer, but again, it's difficult to give an easy one there, um, but happy to, you know, go into any of that stuff. Definitely, definitely. No, I think um, I think that's, that's a good explanation. Um, kind of like you said, like, you know, practical if we have a podcast right you and I we have a podcast and we have an issue trying to reach you know people out in California right I guess we would hire someone like even I we, we can we can talk about it all we want right but we might have like the same questions and the same answers so like hire somebody a third opinion who maybe like specializes in you know helping other people or specializing in reaching people in that coast it's like hey like you know have a phone call this is my issue you know like how can you help me and I figure like you can come all right, this is the steps that you're taking. This is how we can, you know, new things, new projects, new things that you can do to, to, to reach that. So um, I think at least I understood it. Eden, you good? Sounds like you got it. I got it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm um, kind of, I, I, I get it, but not like, I guess probably not to the level Benson gets it. Um, this was his passion. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, I guess like, I, this is like, I, yeah, I guess I was interested in this a little, a little bit more, but um, I think, I think for me, at least I, I, I always found it somewhat interesting, mainly because I figured it just suited my personal strengths a little bit more. I wasn't really, like I said, I wasn't like that. I wasn't looking to be a CPA. I wasn't looking to be, you know, anything in that accounting. So I kind of, um, I think I, that's why I felt it a little bit more um wait but, so in consulting there's different um like you know like Nancy just said there's different like specializations you'd call them in terms of what your what you specifically focus on like management and and 
I guess. Yeah, and, and you're seeing it shift a bit right now, but generally, right, there would be the big picture problem. So, um, you know, again, it's if you take, let's say, a bank, like a Goldman Sachs, for example, saying, like, we want to attract more, um, you know, small business owners to, to come to us, right? Like, what is the strategy to do that? Like, what what is this demographic? Like, how can we reach them? It's basically helping set up, like, framing how we get there. And then you have the management to then help on a lower level as well as implement a little bit more. And then the technology side, maybe it isn't the third tier, but that's how I think about it with Accenture. Um, that would be, you know, like you guys are using Zoom right now. Is there another platform that might be better and more user-friendly? Can we create a program for you um, to make it easier to run? That's like where your technology comes in. Um, and so maybe I'm thinking a little bit too much with like the Accenture lens of how we generally do work. Um, but yeah, strategy, big picture, management, more of like implementing in small picture and then technology is everywhere, essentially. Okay. <laughs> We're now surrounded by technology, if that's helpful. No, 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 now I get it. So with that said, um, I guess since, since March, since all this happened, what would you say has been the, uh, maybe not moneymaker, but the, uh, the, the big ask from Accenture in terms of your clients? I'm sure they had to shift what they were using you for. So what, what area? Yeah, yeah, it's actually a very interesting question um, because you'll see a lot of the issues that we're solving for are, are going to be there whether your consumers are in person or online, right? Some of it's, for example, um, actually I'll give you a very specific example. Like if we look at a hotel chain, right, we were talking about probably a year ago how we could create a seamless experience where everything is is customer centric you walk in and they're like oh hello madeline like welcome we know your favorite color is purple and and, and this is your favorite room right like they just know all this information so it just feels like a very personalized experience now the ask from a lot of these different like hotel chains and, and things where it's customer oriented is how do we make it a touchless um contactless experience so it went from seamless and customer focused customer centric to now contactless um, so now how can we do everything on our phone? And so you see a big shift there. It's still solving, right? That customer experience. Like there still is that um, specific ask, but now how we're doing it, it's a bit different. Um, so that's one way in which, in which the ask has changed. I think the other one um, is the new working styles. How can we motivate our employees at home? Um, how can we be more inclusive leaders? How can we... Um, for example, on more of like a government sense, how do we solve for the black and brown community being more affected and more impacted by COVID? Um, how can we solve for that in education and things in that nature? So there are definitely lots of asks right now about remote learning, remote working, um, and then just like the disproportionate amount of um, effect, like the effect on different populations. Um, and then you'll seeing, you're seeing with other, um, other clients that have more of a customer base, how do we make it more of a contactless experience? Well, not losing, you know, our values as a firm and what they generally come to us for. Okay. Is that, uh, is that answering it? Or I don't know if you were hoping for something different, but it's- No, 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 that's, that's what I expected for the most part, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great question, you know, because um, that gets me thinking, like when you said, what are companies new ask, like moving on in the future, COVID and just in the terms of like you mentioned technology and AI, like companies are gonna have to literally change how they operate everything, right? Like, you know, 
more more sanitary, social distance and all that stuff. So um, that kind of gets me thinking like, yeah, and companies, what they're, I guess what they're going to be asking for is different and like the solutions and like, I guess the technology aspect, I'm assuming there, that I'm sure there's room, a lot of room for growth there because everyone's going to want to implement new AI and new softwares and all that um, innovation going on in the future. So, yeah, I will say one expected benefit is um, something Accenture, again, this is Accenture specific, that we push are a lot of technology innovations, AI innovations. And what's been one nice benefit is now companies can't lag on, on making that decision or going forward down that path. You have to respond. You have to figure this out. It's, it's pushed that needle forward. So that's been one, I guess, you know, interesting benefit for us is now there's that more like, oh, this needs to happen now. We can't, we can't keep telling Accenture, well, maybe in a few months, we'll, we'll tackle that problem then. Um, that's been really nice for us because we can see the benefits and now they're seeing, all right, the timeline is now shortened and we need to get this done for our employees. Definitely, definitely. So what would you say for either, you know, students or, you know, early careers or anyone who may want to get into consulting, Maybe if you give like three tips, maybe or skills that you know they should be working on, focusing on, trying to refine if they if that's like a space they want to get into. Yeah, no, good question, good question. I think one you know tangible way of understanding how to problem solve and set yourself up for um, success in in consulting and recruiting is going to consulting you know firms' websites and looking at their success stories, client stories. You can see they'll literally draw it out for you. I don't know why I didn't do this as a student, but we'll put out for you like there was a CPG that had this issue and this was our approach to solve it. This was our ultimate solution. And like, this is how we did it in the short term and long term. And that helps you be able to frame um, problems in the, in the correct way of looking at it and processing that information. And then you also see how those companies generally um, try and approach it and solve against it, right? Um, that's a really good one in, like indicator one of like how companies approach these things and which ones you would want to more than likely prioritize recruiting for. But then two, it gets you thinking creatively, right? Okay, this is how, um, you know, tried and proved methods have been done. This is how I should be looking at and framing problems. I think that'd be one big one. And what that'll give you is how to frame. I think that's one really important thing that we're looking for. Um, in students. The other, I think that's a really easy one as well, is there's so many resources out there just to get prepped on like case interviews and how to, like there are certain methodologies and now that I'm thinking about it, I, I don't remember many of them, but like Porter's Five Forces is one of them, right? So when you're given a certain, let's say like growth problem during a case interview or anything like that, like what we get with our clients, here's a way again to frame it. And so there are so many resources out there if you just looked up like case interview prep plenty out there. I don't remember any at the top of my head because thankfully I'm done with that process. And so I haven't had to look at that um, anytime recently. Um, I think the third, and maybe this is different than what other people would say, but I think it would be reading. I prefer like social psychology books. And I think that's really interesting because then you understand how people view things. And that's something that's extremely important within consulting is just understanding how your client and then how their customers view certain products, view certain experiences. And if you can understand that like psychological component as well as the social, it helps you be able to ask the right questions and relate to your client as well as the customers to provide the correct solution that's actually sustaining and that people will actually respond to. Um, so reading and like 
Dan Ariely is a great one for that. Malcolm Gladwell has like a really great podcast if you're not a big reader, totally understand. Um, it's like revisionist history. Adam Grant is another one and they all have a lot of books out there too. Um, and I think that's just a really great way of just kind of, I don't know, it's almost like understanding the people that you're trying to help solve problems for and it gives you that psychological component that uh, not everybody takes time to, to understand. I got it. I think those are great points. Um, I think those liberal arts classes like sociology, psychology are really, uh, I mean, I personally, I, I couldn't say this until uh, last year, my senior year. Uh, they really do play a big role in in life and everything. Just, you know, all the, like you said, the social psychology aspect of it, just the way people think and Oh, for sure. Yeah. I definitely, I had like a call with somebody earlier today and she was a psychology major and I was like, I regret, like, I wish I could go back and do psychology, you know? <laughs> I think it's like, that's been my best friend and like my journey is my, in my career, these books and understanding because you're, you know, you're interacting with people, no matter what you're doing, you're interacting with people. If you understand how a person thinks works, you're going to be more successful. So I could not agree with you more. I wish I took more of those courses while I was in college. But the nice yep. thing is, is you can find other ways of learning. And my biggest one has been these, have been these books as well as these podcasts. Um, and so thankfully, I can try and like still self-educate. Yeah. But I do wish, <laughs> I do wish I did more in college. Definitely. Definitely. I think that's some gems out there for people anyway. Like we had um, one, of our, one of our bros, um, he's from Houston actually, but um he's into pretty much psychology he has his own like psychotherapy business um but you know back when back when we were in school he's always you know big on psychology on like yo if you know how someone thinks like you could really work work well with them you know how to like communicate and, and things with them so um i think that's just good gems for anybody who's interested in psychology interested in, you know get, getting involved in those books and, like even said i do wish i took a little bit more of those um, like sociology classes and stuff in college i never ended up really taking maybe one i took one like ancient like cyber like ancient social i don't know some one like philosophy books and one of those like philosophy classes i didn't really pay attention but like only took like one but i definitely wish i took a little bit more um but hey yeah like you said self-education that's where it's at so right Eden, do you do you a lot of psychology within accounting or do you, have you seen that be beneficial uh no i did literally i did nothing until my senior year i took four or five psychology classes just during both semesters because I needed some credits and I was like I've taken everything literally everything and honestly after going through it I'm like you know this makes sense now this makes sense now like oh, wow. it, it just it's crazy how it ties in everywhere you know you, you play a video game or you know a rapper says something or someone says something on tv or you finally get why your parents act this way or why <laughs> Or why you know your significant other acts it, it just makes everything just starts to click and it, you know it just makes sense so i really i'm really upset at myself for like kind of like brushing off psychology as a major and as a study you know i really wish i went back and maybe not minored but definitely took a lot of those courses just to take them so i don't think you did a lot more than the average person like four or five that's pretty impressive <laughs> good <laughs> But yeah, so um, before we move to the next segment, any last points before we move to the next segment? Questions, comments? I have nothing. I think if, you know, if you're interested in consulting, just talk to people in it and, and you'll get a better understanding. I know that it is very unknown. 
Um, but the more you talk to people, you'll understand what you might like about it, what you might, what might you not like about it. And that will help you understand if that's a career you want to go in. Definitely, that's definitely. Listen and tune, like, make sure you're paying attention. <laughs> Dropping gems. <laughs> um, so, all right. On that note, let's move on to a quote of the day. So, uh, yes, for segment two for that quote, do you have that? Yeah. All right. Pop it up. All right. So the quote is, closed mouths don't get fed. You got to speak with some bass. I know who said this. This is a this is a lyric, right? Yeah, this is a lyric. This is a lyric. You already know it. Is that what she I, just said? <laughs> no, I, I have I've heard it before. I don't know who said it, but I've heard it before. Closed mouths don't say it one more time. Closed mouths don't get fed. You gotta speak with some bass. I've heard like a different like the the beginning part. Yeah, closed mouths way. don't get fed. Yeah, that's a lyric. The second part is a nice little twist to it. Yeah. Oh, that's man. Not J. Cole, right? Huh? J. Cole? That's not no, J. Cole. no, no, that's no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it before. Dang. I don't know. Is that Joey Badass? No, closer, but. Oh. I feel bad. Madeline has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. So um, it comes from a song called Last Choir. And the person who said it in the song is Nick Caution. Nick Caution. Oh, okay. Caution. Okay. So he's yeah. from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. I think my like, <laughs> background is mainly reggaeton. So I feel like I was still <laughs> <hell> here. <laughs> got you. Got you. But yeah, like you said, like, close mouth, don't get fat. I guess that, that's more of the like more popular saying, like, um, my boy Sosa, he was on the podcast again. He's from Houston, right? So he's the one who used to always say that to me, like freshman year, right? Whenever it was like, oh, I was like, I was scared to do something. He's like, hey, close mouth, don't get fed, right? Like you have to, you have to, you have to speak up. So um, that was a good quote. I liked that one. Thank you. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you do have to speak up, right? Like I, so I've been learning that a little bit more, you know, like post graduation, like you know, working in the workplace, like you know, sometimes. You know, not everyone's always going to be paying. Like in school, you're a little bit more nurtured environment. Even in college, even though you're still more on yourself, but it's still surrounded by like a lot of professors, teachers, right? It's a little bit more of a nurtured environment. I feel like once you start to like leave that environment, um, it's more on you to kind of like take initiative, kind of like ask for more education in certain things, like in, in at work, right? It's going to be more if you don't understand something. I've learned more recently. A lot of times you have to speak up, like, hey, can you teach me this instead of like school where it's more like, all right, they're you know, they're gonna get to it eventually yeah. yeah you know what i'm saying so at work yeah they're gonna teach you some things but i've noticed a lot more it's like you know the ones who like excel are the ones who verbally like i want to go learn that i want to go learn this um and it just that that quote just applies to like a lot of different things so yeah i feel like even on a smaller scale you know you're in a group of friends if you say the joke at a lower volume and then someone else says it at a higher volume you know <laughs> they're gonna get the last applause and all that but you're, you're just sitting there like oh oh boy yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah it applies it applies in everywhere even like networking you know if you stand there on the side you can be the most qualified person in the room but if you're just you know a, a wallflower nobody's really gonna notice you so. it's a fact it's a fact 
thinking of the Alpha Convention, right, or a NABA Convention, an Amber Conference, anything that we've been to, right, at those career fairs or just like speaking to professionals, right? The ones who usually get those opportunities are the ones who go out of their way to to network and not just stand there and be like, oh, I'm shy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. And you know, on the flip side of that too, and and this is just from somebody who's been doing lots of recruiting, the person who's almost outspoken or in a group, right, that isn't letting others speak, right? That's also not great. So you, you have to find that that middle ground. But yeah, you don't find many, it's it's difficult for somebody in a professional position to see somebody on the side. And, and of course, like when I see that, I want to go and talk to them. It's not possible. Like, <laughs> there are too many people coming up. And so yeah, I, I really, I really agree with that. I really like that. Yeah, I gotta take initiatives. Gotta take initiatives. So um, on that note, we'll go to our transition to our final segment, where we'll speak more about involvement in Alpha, giving back in that community. Um, so you, for a little background again, we say this in a lot of episodes, Edom and I, we were involved in NABA throughout um, our undergraduate years. I'm very thankful for that organization. Um, that's essentially where I'm at now, taught, learned a lot. Again, lifting as we climb, that's one of our big, you know, models of once you make it, like you said, when you get a, you know, phase three, you're looking back at phase two and bringing people up, you know, so that's the motto. I know Alpha, um, we were a little bit involved. I was more involved on in my, you know, senior year, but Alpha, I know it's pretty much the same, same concept, same thing. And I had a great time at the convention. So if you could speak a little bit more about how you got involved in Alpha and kind of, I guess, like what you do now, because um, you're very active as a professional as well. So if you could just speak about like your experience with Alpha. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, how I found out about it, I think somebody kind of just saw how much I needed it, which is again, what we appreciate about the people here, right? So I went to an event and when I got to, um, to McCombs, the business school within um, UT, somebody said Goldman Sachs. And at first I thought, wow, that's super cool that a gold mining company is, you know, recruiting <laughs> business people. I was like, that's so random, like so out of my league. And I remember going to a professional event and I was talking to somebody and I was, you know, very, I, I was outspoken, you know, I was very like vulnerable with these people. And I think somebody, it was a senior who, who overheard and kind of turned to me and was like, Hey, let's, let's talk over here. And that was my, you know, Hey, Alpha would be good for you. You seem like professional, like this is new for you. This this feels, you know, um, like a new thing. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely is. Um, and so that was when, I mean, I can think of that person specifically and then like six others my freshman year that then just took so much time to say like, hey, do you know what a resume is? Like, all right, you have yours from high school, but like that's four pages long. What are you doing? Let's talk about a real resume. Um, took so much time, right, to coach me. Um, and I think of like six specific people, but I'm, it's probably around the like realm of like 20, right? Again, there's so, like you just want to help that community. And as soon as I saw that as a freshman, I reaped a lot of benefits that summer. I ended up going to like six different freshman um, like programs in six different states. And how could somebody who thought Goldman Sachs was a gold mining company get that done, right? And that's, that's alpha. As soon as that happened, right? And again, this is, these are the people that we attract. I immediately come in my sophomore year, get an officer position and vow that I'm going to have even more freshmen and take advantage of these programs. And then there's that continuous loop. And so I got into it because somebody did exactly like what you guys stand for and what I stand for, you know, turning around and seeing who you can help. 
and then I've stayed in it because that doesn't go away. As soon as you do it once, I feel like it's, you get a little addicted to it. You're like, how else can I help people? Like, how can I bring more people that look like me into my work environment or where I am? Um, and so as a student, you know, worked on that with my underclassmen. And then as an upperclassman, made sure everybody was set for going into new industries that generally um, the Black and Latin community weren't represented in, right? And so pushing people and challenging them to, to challenge those norms. Then you go into professional. So now as I am a professional, I, it's changed what I feel like my expectations are in my community. I now do a lot of just coaching in the sense of this is what I expect from a professional and give a lot of the like, you know, kind of spill in the tea as far as, hey, this is, this is how, this is what we're looking for. Like I was just telling Benki earlier, I was like, this is one of the key questions I ask to understand if you know what consulting is. Um, and so helping guide them there. And so that, you know, effort and dedication will never go away because it, it won't stop until I feel like there is equal representation and there's enough people that look like me, if I'm being honest, it's not going to happen in, in my professional lifetime. However, um, you know, like this past year, I brought in the most Hispanics that we've ever seen at UT. And that took a lot of time to do, but that's where I can have impact, right? And I'm sure you guys feel the same way, right? Like you're still so involved in that, but whether it's in a professional or student. Um, so all this to say that like, once you start helping people in your community, it's really difficult to stop. It just, what changes is how you do it, what that effort might look like. And once you're in these, if you're in them, like you feel this, like, I feel like everyone be like probably relates to this and can think of a certain student, right. That they've just recently talked to or who their mentor was, who brought them into the, the professional world, who introduced accounting, right. Or like understanding of what those are, um, and so I think it's very similar. I'm sure it's similar to how you guys feel about NABA as well. And so that, that's been my journey. And that's why I always, you know, stay involved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we think a few weeks back we had on um, our boy Nigel Barker. Um, essentially, he was the one who uh, he chartered the NABA chapter at Queens College. That's how you know, I got involved. And I pretty much told Edom. That's how Edom got involved. And then, um, you know, even referring back to the, you know, Alpha Convention, like, not to brag, but I love to say the story, like, Alan and I, um, we, we pretty much, like, organized getting, like, people from QC to the convention, and that was the first time, at least, we're saying first time ever, but at least first time in recent history that we got, like, nine people um, from QC to be able to go to the convention, and, like, I love, I love telling it because I remember on the plane, like as we're landing in Nashville, I believe at least like eight out of the nine people who were there like already had interviews lined up before we even like landed, you know? And I'm like, at that point, like, I thank God, I didn't even need, you know, the, the internship or the interview or anything like that, right? So we were just going to make sure to like help everyone else, you know? And pretty much like by the time we finished the Alpha Convention, like, like most of the people we had already had like offers, you know what I'm saying? Like for, for jobs or internships and things like that. And like, like you said, that feeling is just like, it's amazing being able to like, everybody eats, right? That's what we call the podcast, if I eat, we all eat. So that's why, that's that's one thing that, you know, if you're not involved, you don't really get it. But when you are involved, you do understand like, it's it's a really great feeling of like you said, helping people who look like you get into those similar positions and stuff. So. And the achievements as the years go on, you know, I'll never forget, I went to my first NABA convention my sophomore year. And I had no idea what NABA was about. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about anything. And one woman goes up and she notices I'm from Queens, Queens College. And she says, you know, you guys don't have any members. You guys don't bring anybody. You know, I've never like 
she's just like you know um scolding us for you know i guess not having enough membership and then i just remember the following year we had 10 14 people come with us to, to the convention yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the conference yeah it was just you know so having the number go from what was it four or yeah four and having that like almost like four times that amount the next year is just it feels really really good it's small stuff but it's like you know it's you, with your own two hands you helped you helped do that you know so. You can you can see the you, you're gonna reap the benefits you know yep. um, as you see it and and one other reason why I think Alpha like convention and it sounds like NABA conference also is is so great for our community right is the fact that and this is why I tell everybody I was like you have to go to these conferences there's this understanding right of somebody that that looks like you're in the black and brown community where then you don't need to have that almost level setting conversation you can just go straight into it i wish it didn't exist but it definitely does um at you know the convention i have such more like real conversations with these students who feel like they can be vulnerable and ask the questions that they they hesitate asking other recruiters um or other people in the industry because it might be seen as a weakness or, you know, when you ask it, they may like be taken aback. Like, are you taking this seriously? Um, and that's one thing that I love, love about like Alpha, Nava, Nesby, like all the different conferences that we have is that everyone you're interacting either looks like you or has taken the time to understand the community, right? And understanding where the obstacles are and, and where the frustrations are and be able to speak to it and relate to you. And so you're just having, like, I have the best conversations with students at these conventions. And as a student, I had the most, like the best conversations with professionals because for some reason you just, you already get each other in, in a degree. And um, it's just this like electrifying feeling. Like I swear every year once convention comes around, um, it like motivates me for the next like six to eight months to like keep going. Um, and I've been trying to go to NAVA. I've been trying to go in and represent Accenture over there. And so one day I'll, I'll get over to that conference, but I hear such good things. And I feel like Alpha is pretty great, but I've heard that NAVA might be a bit more fun. So I'm just <laughs> curious to see. We've heard, what that's like. we've heard that about Alpha too. So, I mean, I have, so like we've been, we've been to NAVA conferences, like the regional ones. I haven't been to the national one yet. But oh, no thing. Okay. the national one is goes crazy. And then for Alpha, we went to that national one for so for, for um, Alpha last year. So this year, obviously, everything got canceled because of COVID. But next year, hopefully, like, at least one of them, I have to go to at least one of them. Not yeah. Especially after everything getting canceled, bro. I, I gotta, you gotta, gotta go to one. At yeah. least. <laughs> and, and like you said, like, to me, it's just a, like, it's, everyone's relatable, like, at these conventions. Wow. You know? And to me, that's what it is. It's like, um, sometimes in these professional environments in the office or whatever, what have you, you kind of put on like a face a little bit. You have to like, you know, kind of like, you know, put on your suit and tie and be like, hi, you know, but like at these conferences, you can, you just feel more relaxed, more like, hey, bro, like, you know how it is, blah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just, it, like you said, like that barrier of like professional, like we're still professional, but that barrier of like putting on a face to me at least is, is removed and we could just get right to the point, like you said. Um, I could be myself, right? I, I can talk to you. I know for the most part, like how you feel. I understand how things affect you. You understand how things affect me. And we could just have like a real conversation, right? So um, yeah. that's, that's one reason why I, I really love it. 
Yeah, and I was going to say, you can also ask the pointed questions that I think a lot of people from our community have in mind. Like for one of the main reasons I chose Accenture, honestly, was because when they had information sessions, they had people that looked like me. They're also one of the only consulting firms, and this is, I haven't checked it in a few years since I recruited, we were the only consulting firm that actually published you know, our demographic numbers, you know, what our gender disparity was, how many Latinos were there, how many of the black community was represented as well. And that to me spoke volumes because the only way you can fix a problem is by recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And as, and I was president of Alpha that year too, and I got on all the consulting firms. And I remember one of them telling me like, well, we try and represent, you know, the city or state that we're in. That's the population. I was like, oh, interesting. So is Texas, is your office, are all those offices almost 50% Hispanic? Because I've never seen a Latino from your, you know, firm come to our campus that is a very large, you know, Hispanic community. And they just, they couldn't answer it. And so that to me was very revealing as far as, you know, I want to be at a firm and, and maybe I should have challenged myself differently in college, but I wanted to be at a firm where I saw people that looked like me. Um, and so these conferences were great because that was a very specific question I had and I wanted to ask it from a person of color that would give it to me straight and not say, oh, we have all these initiatives, you know, we don't see color. Like, I did not want to hear any of those answers. I um, see color. <laughs> so I see it though. How do you think I put this fit together? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I definitely, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, for real, for real. Like, for anyone listening out there, if you're if you're an undergrad, definitely get involved in those business business organizations. Napa Alpha, Ascend, those are the big three. I'm sure there are others out there, but those are the big three that I advocate. Um, Napa first, I'm biased, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased. But for sure, like get involved in those business organizations. They only have your best interests in mind. And again, like everything I've learned about the business field, professionalism, resume writing, public speaking, like all that stems from interactions at NABA, people involved in NABA, um, and and Alpha, of course. So definitely, if you're if you're in college, get get plugged in. And even as as a professional, it's not it's not too late. If you work for like a big corporation, a lot of times they'll have um, like diversity groups or like they'll do recruiting at these like conventions and stuff. So there's always ways to get plugged in. So um, before we wrap up, I wanted to speak about your travels. I know you love to travel. Yeah. And I saw um, back in 2019, pre-COVID, right, BC before COVID, uh, like you had, <laughs> right, you had, um, you had some, like, some, some extensive travel. So if you could just briefly, what was that like? Where did you go? How long were you there for? And like all that. Yeah. So um, I, I love work. I love consulting, love Accenture. It is not my identity. Um, and so traveling is a, is a big proponent of, of who I am, right? As far as like giving back to my community as well as traveling to understand different cultures. And so um, I make time every year to go take a big trip. So last year I went to the Middle East for about a, uh, about a month. And then this year uh, I somehow had all this PTO saved up. And so I went to New Zealand and Australia for about two months. And so really interesting experience. I rented my own little camper van that only fit me, myself, and I for New Zealand for three weeks and just kind of rode around um, and hiked, you know, and met a lot of really great Kiwis that were super, super nice. Um, and so that was a really great experience just to have some self-reflection, like hiking on your own. I don't know if you've ever done it before. That was my first time of doing like solo hiking. And these were like eight hour treks or nine hour treks. Um, we're great for that, like, 
self-reflection. I also like listen to podcasts and, and books, but I got to put in mind, like, what do I want to get out of life? Like all those types of questions. Um, and then I spend time in Australia too. And again, it's just nice to understand like what's happening in the other world firsthand as far as like culturally, how do people operate? Like seeing the work-life balance over there, it is a true work-life balance. I don't think America is anywhere close to that. Um, but it was so cool to see like one of the best things I learned about Australian culture in corporate America is like on Fridays at like 3 p.m. latest 4 p.m. every office is having a happy hour. Like my friend worked, uh, one of the friends I was visiting out there works for one of the best investment banking companies out there, right? And, and you know how banking firms are. I mean, it's like 90 or 100 hour weeks, kind of like that stuff. She and I were like to meet up for dinner at like 6 p.m. on a Friday and she got to the restaurant a little late and she's like, sorry, me and my eight other team members just finished two bottles of gin. You know, it's, it's Friday. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's definitely, you know, it's nice to see that. But um, no, I, I love traveling and, and something to, again, relate it back to everything is you're the, re you know, you will make the reason an excuse to not make time for yourself, right? Like, I think you need to understand, is it a priority for me to, to climb the ladder quicker? If so, then yeah, maybe you don't take as many vacations. Um, however, if it's, no, I'd like to have a steady career and I, I'd like to be, you know, a top performer, but I don't want to sacrifice, you know, what my um, pillars are, like what my morals are, then you will find time. And that's what I've been able to do. And so I have not slowed down in my career at all. I was promoted early. I've done well like I don't think anyone has any you know bad remarks to say on my performance um and I've been able to do it while still finding time for myself and so that's one thing I always try and tell people too is um a lot of people think that you have to work these like 70 80 hour weeks to be successful and I truly don't think that's accurate um and generally you can relate to more of these higher up people who travel quite a bit if you've if you've done something similar if you have a passion that you make time for because then you can relate on more of a human sense and not necessarily a a work um place but yes bop around all over really enjoy traveling try and make time for it all the time and if you don't travel you know definitely try to and there are ways to make it cheap like i traveled after i graduated with like no money to my name and i went to south america where it was three dollars for this like stunning dinner like very very manageable um to make it work just don't think of europe you know i think everybody thinks europe but it's expensive um so you know broaden your horizons and, and see other ones definitely definitely i think that's some great points like traveling it's um i, I love to travel it, it's more of like you said it's that cultural iq right just understanding like yeah. you know, the way you do things is not the only way to do it it's not necessarily the right way to do it right like there's 7 billion people out there. They do, you know, your task, you know, 110 different ways, right? So, you know, it's, it's learning, um, you know, about other cultures, how they do things, how they interact, like you said, like, just because you learn it growing up doesn't necessarily mean it's right or perfect or all that, you know, there are other ways. Um, and I just, you know, for me personally, I, I, I love, I love culture, right? That's why not only we have the podcast, but we have Kilty. Right, our, our clothes in mind, that's what Kilty literally translates to culture, right? A little bit of culture, <laughs> right? So that's 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 what that's what we're about. So um on that note, actually, um, we're actually doing um we're doing a little challenge for our Kilty line. And since you're on the podcast, you're automatically a part of the challenge. All right. Uh, <laughs> so essentially it's it's only just three questions. Uh first question is introduce is just your name and your cultural background. 
Uh, the second question is, what is your favorite part of the culture, of your culture, and why? And the third question is, if you could travel anywhere, um, no money, you know, money's not an issue, where would you go and who would you bring? So those are three questions you can answer. Your name, um, cultural background, favorite part of it, and why? And where would you travel if you go anywhere? Um, and who would you bring? All right, I'm answering this like on here. Right now. Like right now? Okay, cool. That's fine. So Madeline Flores here. That's my name. Um, my mom is actually Puerto Rican and Polish. And so I have that in me. And then my dad is Bolivian. And so big mix. I think the one thing I love about all of them is the food. So there's like pierogies from Poland, which are incredible. And y'all have a lot of them in the Northeast. We have like that in Texas. That's fine. Um, but then there are also like Salthanias from Bolivia. And so I think it's actually just pockets of goodness is probably the like common denominator in, in all those cultures. And then the last question is where would I go travel if, if money wasn't? I would travel to um, Melbourne, Australia and I wouldn't need to take anyone. My boyfriend's there. So I would go see him and not be so far. <laughs> and that would be, that'd be where I go. Got it, got it. Hey, thank you for doing the challenge. That's all it is. Rep your kill team. So. <laughs> Great. So on that note, um, that, that's that's all we have for today. Any last questions, comments? No, this is great. I'm really excited to, you know, to see you guys do this. Again, um, it's such a great platform to, to get more people involved and, and share with them kind of secrets and wisdom that we have, especially in corporate America. So please, please keep going. And if y'all want anybody as far as recommendations to be on here, I'm happy to share my network. Definitely, definitely. So um, we can do that right after. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So on that note, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and learned a lot. Um, tune in every Tuesday, new episode dropping every Tuesday after podcast, Spotify, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're growing it. So all the episodes are on there as well. You can watch all the episodes on YouTube. Tuesdays, we drop. See you guys next week.